0: What's up, everybody? You're listening to Salah's Corner with the one and only Salah Muhammad. So 2019 is well underway. And we've had a lot of activity that's already taken place in the world of politics. So if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see that I put a number of different events that happened in 2018, some of the biggest political events of the year. Had you guys rate the top five political events that you wanted to know about as we progress through this year. So on today's episode, I'm sitting with none other than Brie Wilson, my best friend, the love of my life, the producer of this podcast, and just someone that's just all around, just cuteness personified. Say hi to everybody, Brie.
1: Hi, everybody. All
0: right. So, we're going to sit down. We're going to recap some of the biggest events that you want to know about and some things to look out for as we progress through 2019. Okay, Brie, we're going to count down the top five political events that my followers wanted to know more about as we progress through 2019. Um, first on that list is going to be Trump's relationship with Vladimir Putin. Uh, this is one of those oddball things that it's just, it really just is not normal in U.S. politics. A current sitting president having a strange relationship with a, another president in another country who's also implicated in hacking the election that got our president. It's just, it's, the, the whole thing is just a, a, a bumblefucker, just nonsense. Um, craziness.
1: I want to call it a bromance because I feel like that's what it is.
0: But, but is it a romance though? Because it's almost like Trump is just doing whatever Putin wants him to do. It's almost like a, you know, I hate to to use this caricature, but a puppeteer, a puppet master and a puppeteer, like, you know, Putin is pulling all the strings and, and Trump is just kind of, you know, yes. Yes, sir. Yes. Sir.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That so
0: just to give everybody a little bit of context into Trump and Putin's relationship, let's take a look at a couple of facts. Uh, Trump attempted to build a property in Moscow in 2015, which isn't unusual, but he lied about it. He said that back when he was running for president that he stopped in 2015 so that he could focus on running for president. But it wasn't true. He was actively pursuing this arrangement almost through the summer of 2016, well into the presidential campaign when he was the only contender for the Republican Party. Kind of a bold-faced lie, if you you ask me. What else is new? Another fact that we need to consider is his campaign manager has pled guilty to obstruction of justice working with uh, foreign government. So this is Paul Manafort. He, uh, another just really strange element in this whole Trump-Putin-Russia investigation relationship. Uh, Paul Manafort was Donald Trump's campaign manager. He was also working for an organization that represented Russia and Ukraine to lobby for laws that benefited both countries. So just take that into consideration. He's the campaign manager of someone trying to be president of the United States. While also representing Russia and Ukraine to sway laws to benefit those two countries,
1: which is completely illegal. Completely <laughs>
0: illegal. Like that, it's just it's unbelievable that he even had the balls to even go through this. All right. And besides that, he never registered with the U.S. government that he was going to be representing both Russia and Ukraine. So he did all of this through back, back channels. He did all of this underhandedly. While trying to help someone become the president of the United States, right. me, That's not sketchy. Of
1: course, he's not going to register because uh, he's uh, doing shady
0: business. <laughs> it's it's kind of unbelievable. On top of Paul Manafort, you also had three other uh, campaign officials uh, indicted and pled guilty uh, involved with this Russia probe. You had um, Michael Flynn, who's pled guilty and is now cooperating with the special uh, investigation. You had George Papadopoulos, who is a—that is a mouthful name to say. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I actually loved saying that name Papadopoulos. Anyway, George Papadopoulos, who is a policy advisor for uh, Donald Trump's campaign, has also pled guilty and has been indicted and actually spent, I think, like 14 days in jail yeah, his, uh, for his, his, his involvement over and with this with, yeah. um, Russia probe. And then you have uh, Donald Trump's lawyer, his personal lawyer and fixer, Michael Cohen, pleading guilty and cooperating with investigators uh, and has implicated Donald Trump on a number of different crimes as it relates to this whole Trump-Russia scandal. It's just all of these facts start to line up and you just have to wonder, you know, is there something really there? What's really going on where everyone surrounding you is going to jail for their involvement with you, but you are supposed to be guilt-free?
1: And also, let's also uh, keep in mind that every time one of them uh, was indicted, uh, Trump instantly went into, "Oh, um, they played a very small part in my oh, campaign. Right. Um, I don't really know him. Um, I don't really. We don't. We don't really deal with. What well, I? Who is it? It was Papadopoulos that yeah. was like the the coffee guy. Oh, yeah, like the,
0: <laughs> George Papadopoulos was the uh, the coffee coffee and donut boy." <laughs> But uh, but Donald Trump named him personally as someone who he relies on as uh, far as policy advice. So I, I, I have a bunch of friends and, and you know, we hang out together all the time. They're my best friends, except for when they're committing crimes. And then it's like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really, know you I don't really know them like that. <laughs> I was only in it for the free drinks when we went out for the rides. But it's just kind of absurd. On top of all of that. You know, you have the intelligence agencies, the NSA, the CIA, FBI, putting out a report saying that Russia hacked U.S. elections, they created bots to influence um, sway within public opinion, all to benefit Donald Trump so he could become president. And you have Donald Trump refusing to acknowledge these intelligence reports. Like, just take that into consideration into all of this. This whole Trump-Putin relationship scandal thing... It may be captivating in news headlines, but there are some real facts in there and some real big details that should be alarming for a lot of people.
1: And and basically our government has um, come to the conclusion that um, Russia did hack into um the election and um did have influence over the uh outcome and trump basically is like yeah no i don't believe it
0: fat guy on a bed that's what he said yeah
1: it it could it could have been some random fat man somewhere (laughs) so what do you say some random 600 pound man like no sir it was russia your friend putin did it
0: (laughs) yeah it's it's quite unbelievable the Leaps that he's going to avoid admitting what's right in front of everyone's faces, what investigators are coming to conclusion with hard evidence on. Um, He just refuses to accept anything that implicates him not winning something outright and not being seen as just excellence. Which brings us to number four, which may sound like it's related, but it's really not. Um, And it's Trump's inaugural committee under federal investigation. So this is something that's pretty new. Um, Within the last few weeks, maybe even a month old, the prosecutors uh, and the district attorney's office in New York has now started an investigation into uh, Trump's inaugural committee funds. So just let me, again, lay out a couple of facts for everybody. Trump raised $107 million for his inaugural committee. Um, That is just that's not for the campaign. That's not to run for president. That's literally the party after he's inaugurated into president. Everything that goes into planning that day, parties thereafter, paying for all of the events that takes place on Inauguration Day. Trump raised the most in presidential history, one hundred and seven million dollars. Barack Obama, the first black president who previously had that record, didn't raise that much money in 2008. Just take that into consideration. Also take into consideration the whole debate that we heard about the crowd size. You know, we saw, uh, what's his name, Sean Spicer get up in the uh, White (laughs) House briefing. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Spicy had the, he had the picture, he had the doctor picture showing that, you know, Trump's crowd size was bigger than Obama's crowd size when, Actuality, that was not the case. But nonetheless, you had a smaller crowd size, you had fewer parties, but you raised more money than Obama did in 2008, and now all of that money is gone. So, special prosecutors in New York uh, are investigating. Not only where all that money went, was it used for illegal purposes, but also was it raised for illegal purposes? There are some reports out of New York that's saying that Saudi Arabia has donated illegally to Trump's inaugural committee. And for anyone who doesn't know, it is illegal for a foreign government country and organization to donate funds toward a presidential campaign or a presidential inaugural committee for obvious reasons. Like, you don't want uh, outside influence, outside the country to influence a president. So obviously they can't take money right. from a foreign government or anything like that. So
1: later but, on down the line, they can be like, oh, hey, I gave you that $100,000, right.
0: remember? But nonetheless, there are reports that saying that happened. Um, and the way that some people are saying that it might have been done is Saudi Arabia decides they are going to rent a block of rooms in one of Trump's hotels. But that block of rooms go completely empty, mm-hmm. and they that block of rooms is paid you know two, three, ten times the amount the normal rate that anyone else would pay, and that money just goes right into Donald Trump's pocket.
1: So again, shady business. <laughs>
0: Essentially, that's that's just money money laundering. Yeah, like, there's right. just no no way uh, about that. That's just straight money laundering. Um, so that is another investigation that is you know breathing down the neck of Donald Trump, and it's just. You know, you you start to have to wonder with all of these investigations that are breeding down his neck when all of this is going to catch up to him,
1: right? I mean, it, it's this this investigation in particular is uh, really interesting because um, since it's new, uh, we haven't heard a ton about it, but it's um, it's basically something else that's going on that Trump is denying, and um, again played no part in anything like that but bottom line is what happened to the money like where's the money right and he really can't uh answer that question like you can't account for it so it had to have gone somewhere
0: and it's just you know it just speaks to the character of of someone when you have all of these types of investigations going on you know are you are you just that corrupt Or is everyone around you that corrupt? Are you corrupting everyone that comes in within your administration? Yes, yes and yes. It's it's so (laughs) shocking that everyone that goes, that gets involved within this administration um, turns out to be crooks at, at the end of the day. We saw this in previous history. Richard Nixon was famously, you know, resigned from office. And he, I think there was like over 20 different officials within his administration that ended up going to jail for like right. years at a time for his involvement, their involvement with Nixon. It's kind of crazy.
1: I, honestly, I'm not I'm not surprised that um, all of the people um, are, are corrupt and shady uh, because he's bringing them in. So, you know, he, he's bringing them in for a reason.
0: Yeah, this is all pretty crazy.
1: Okay, so number three um, is the Affordable Care Act is ruled unconstitutional by a Texas federal judge. Uh, This one I actually don't know all that much
0: about. Um, This one was, was, again, something really recent that just took place. Um, Just to give you a little bit of background, um, over 20 district attorneys in states around the country have filed a lawsuit suing the federal government saying that the individual mandate um, within the Affordable Care Act is illegal. So let's just stop for a second and just let's take into consideration how people think that the Affordable Care Act and Obamacare are completely separate things.
1: Which has always blown my mind. It
0: it really does. Like when you and this isn't like just my opinion. There are studies out there that show When you ask people, do they like the Affordable Care Act, and then you explain the details of the Affordable Care Act, they absolutely love it. They like elements of it. There are some elements they don't, but overwhelmingly, they like the law. However, when you ask people about Obamacare and and tell them the details of it, they they don't like it, you know. They they instantly associate it with Obama, and they start to oh I don't know. It's and it's just like but it's it's the Affordable Care Act. It's the same thing. You just said you liked it. It's kind of absurd to me.
1: It's it's funny because I actually recently had a conversation with a coworker about this, um, uh, and they did not know that they were the same thing. And I was just like, you know, like Obamacare is like the nickname. Right. <laughs> and that's what it is. It, it really there there isn't there there wasn't something out there that was um, written um, and named Obamacare right. like. <laughs> So come on. <laughs> the, uh,
0: the one of the biggest proponents of the Affordable Care Act was the individual mandate that said every us citizen um, under the, over the age of twenty six has to participate in the insurance market. Um, part of Obamacare, aka Affordable Care Act or vice versa, was implementing subsidies to help individuals pay for insurance. Um, another part of that was making sure that, insurance companies weren't overcharging people that had pre-existing conditions. If you had cancer, if you had uh, AIDS, if you had Crohn's disease, whatever type of illness you already have or you have been diagnosed with, insurance companies are not allowed to charge you uh, abnormal prices that they don't charge the rest of the public. Now, take that into consideration. 20 states um district attorneys in 20 states around the country are suing the government to get rid of the individual mandate effectively making the affordable care act completely illegal a federal judge in texas ruled that it was unconstitutional so now this entire law is completely illegal this has dramatic implications as we you know go through 2019. now it's not going to be something that takes effect immediately a lot of insurance companies will have to uh, take some time to change their insurance policy. Now that they aren't being forced to cover certain individuals, um, they can change their pricing structure and start to charge people, you know, again those high prices that have pre-existing conditions. But as we start to progress and this law really starts to uh, take hold and insurance companies are let go from their, from their burden, um, you'll see some of your insurance companies start to change your policies as we progress through the year and next year if this federal judge's ruling isn't overturned. Um, so just to give you a couple of more facts, according to an analysis by the Urban Institute, eliminating the Affordable Care Act would increase national uninsured rate by 50%. Um, that's a huge deal for people that have pre existing conditions, which, by the way, many Republicans were running in elections saying that they'd wanted to protect people with pre existing conditions. That was like their whole thing during the midterm elections.
1: Right. I, I got to say as somebody that has MSNBC on, on a daily basis and watches um, the news uh, as far as politics go, um, watching people's campaigns and watching them say, Oh, you know, I'm all for it. Uh, you know, um, I, I, don't want to get rid of uh, this and that. And then as soon as they get elected, all of a sudden, you're not for it anymore. Now, now all of a sudden, you know, you you just backpedal completely. Or you find out that all of these people that are saying that, you know, they're for the Affordable Care Act um, had voted against it in the past. Like, it it was just ridiculous.
0: Yeah, there were so many uh, people that were running for re-election and running for election saying that they were... You know, all for protecting people with pre-existing conditions, yet they are on record for getting rid of the Affordable Care Act, yet they were a part of these different lawsuits suing the government to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. You can't be for pre-existing conditions and also against it and voting against it at the same time. Like, you have to choose. It's not a Republican mantra. It's not a Democratic mantra. It's just human decency. Protect people that have severe illnesses so that people can have uh, healthy lives. It's It's just absurd. You know, 50% of people possibly losing health care with the repeal of the Affordable Care Act, that's like 17 million people according to the urban institute that's a lot of people 17 million people losing health care insurance that's that's insane
1: it's it's pretty scary i definitely remember um protesters. Um, uh, going to hearings and screaming out their stories and saying, you know, I have so-and-so illness Um, without uh, insurance, without um, uh, the Affordable Care Act, um, I won't be able to afford my medication. I won't be able to afford to go to the doctors, this and that. I'm going to die. And like that, it's it's a very scary situation to know that, you know, things could be reversed and, and people are going to be put in a position where, you know, they they may they may not live.
0: It, it really is kind of a scary and insane situation that some of these lawmakers are purposely making all the while they're advocating for pre exist you know, protecting people with pre-existing conditions. Meanwhile, within Congress, over 70 times they voted to get rid of the Affordable Care Act and like you can't really be for it if you're voting to get rid of it 70 times. Right. Like it's you just it's just not possible.
1: Okay, so on to number 2. Uh almost 2000 migrant children were held in camps separated from their parents, aka the baby prisons. This was ridiculous yeah. and so depressing and so just just so sad to to watch. I remember seeing Rachel Maddow um like reading uh, about these these cages that these babies were being put in and she could barely Get her sentences out Because she was on the verge of tears Like that whole situation Was just disastrous
0: Yeah it it really is such a Somber topic to even Like bring up because The lack of human decency To take a family who's Trying to escape a Crisis situation in their home country They're trying to leave violence They're trying to um, get their children And their families away from such a Horrendous environment and they come here and we decide to say uh nope we're going to take your kid we're going to put them in a cage we're going to lock you up and we'll decide whether you should get your kid back like that is just that's unbelievable like it's just completely unbelievable um so again let me just lay out some facts for everybody almost 2400 migrant children were held in camps Separated from their parents. So I, I one story really sticks out and I can't really exactly remember the names since we're Doing this off the cuff and it was of a, of a child who was separated from her mother They it started because the mother had gone through multiple different countries just to try to get here to escape some gang violence That was happening in her country. I think her daughter was maybe as I, I want to say as young as five I can't remember offhand um, and U.S. officials put her up in a hotel room. They said, "Oh, well, we want to talk to your daughter separately." So they had the mother go into one room. They took the child into another room, and then when they came back to the mother, they said, "You're not getting your child back." That's crazy. And you know, they started telling some of these other parents, "The only way you can possibly see your child again is if you sign away your sign away your rights, saying that you're going to be deported back to." your home country, and parents were making the decision of, I love my child, I want to be with my child, but I can't bring my child back to this country. So I'm going to give up my rights as a parent, leave and and be deported just so that my child can have some freedom. Like... The fact that our government is forcing people to make that decision when we don't have to. Like, there's, you know, just to be clear immigration has declined in America. Over the last few years, immigrants coming to America has declined year over year over year. There's no real crisis that's there other than the one that the US government is creating by separating these parents uh, and their children. And, you know, there are cases where children have to go to court and have to explain why they're there. They're two and three years old. They're babies. You know, they can't even stand up in court, let alone talk and defend themselves. Like, it's just like, absurd.
1: Let's, let, let, just, like, stop for a second. Like, everybody, like, truly think about that. Just imagine that. A baby... representing themselves in court. How ridiculous. And the fact that this actually took place like this is not, you know, something that is, is made up that, you know, is just for 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 TV or movie dramatics like this actually took place where little children and babies are sitting in court um supposedly to defend themselves like that's ridiculous
0: and and I remember you know writing about this when it first happened and and the the, the first thing that popped into my mind as I you know we were sitting there watching that Rachel Maddow um uh, breaking news story at the time thinking like somebody there's a, a little child is going to die from this like yeah. we're going to hear about deaths and you know within the last few weeks you know we have we've heard about two uh, children dying in U.S. custody as they're trying to uh, come into this country. Now, let's let's kind of lay out some facts and be clear about a couple of things. Coming to America through Mexico, and if it's not a, an actual port of entry, is illegal. However, these parents know this. They know that they're coming illegal. They're not trying to get away with it. They're coming saying, you know what, yes, I'm here illegally, do what you will with me. Just try to keep my family safe. That's all I care about is just right. keep my family safe. And what we're saying is, is, well, you're an unfit parent. You don't deserve to be here. I'm going to deport you and keep your kid. Like, that's just heinous and absurd.
1: And and what it is is that a lot of them are coming seeking asylum. And they're, which they have every right to do. Right. Um, and that basically is being tossed out the window and, um. New rules are being created, and because new rules are being created, it's a circus. You're separating children um, from their parents, and you're taking them out of state you're you're hiding them in different locations this and that and you don't even know after you've done this you don't even know whose child this is you don't even know who the parent of these these babies are so then it turns into you know okay well yeah we're going to um reconnect them but how are you going to do that if you don't even know who the children belong to.
0: Right. And you're speaking to, so a federal judge uh, ordered that the Trump administration and the Department of Homeland Security figure out, you know, essentially of all the, all the children that are in custody, return them to their parents. But the problem was, is they deported a lot of the parents. And to this day, this was, you know, uh, this policy has been in place apparently for over a year um And nobody really knew about it until I want to say midsummer of this year uh, of 2018. To this day, all of the kids have not been returned to their parents right. because they were, you know, parents were locked up. Parents were deported uh, back to whatever country that I guess, you know, the U.S. government decided that they wanted to send them to. Um, And created situations where, you know, kids are are homeless and parentless. And, you know, God knows whatever happened to the parent once they were deported. You know, they were escaping violent situations. You know, who knows? Maybe they actually didn't survive once they were deported back to their countries. You know, it's, it's kind of an insane situation created by our government with your tax dollars
1: terrible It's just terrible
0: okay so this brings us to our final um topic and you know just so i let everyone know these weren't put in any in any particular order but now that i'm looking at this we have come full circle and you'll see why how this one issue will relate to the first issue that we talked about the relationship between trump and putin Um, And it's Mark Zuckerberg testifies in Congress about Facebook's privacy policy and sharing information. So sometime earlier in 2018, Mark Zuckerberg. Testified to Congress about their privacy policy and how so many companies are have access to certain information through people's Facebook profiles and how much data Facebook was collecting within your profile. In the middle of Mark Zuckerberg testifying, a special report came out regarding this company called Cambridge Analytica. So let's tackle the first thing first. So Mark Zuckerberg testifies, and turns out that. Facebook is collecting all kinds of crazy data on everybody. They're saving messages. They are saving pictures. They have access to things that you're doing on your phone that you're not even doing within the Facebook app. Like, there's so much stuff that they have within... Each individual's data—it's—it's it's crazy.
1: So, um, you know what that instantly made me think of, and I feel like we've all at this point um, experienced this, where you're on Facebook or you're on Instagram, and you know, before you got on Facebook, you were you you were on—I don't know—you were on Zappos, and <laughs> you're looking for shoes, and oh God, then yes. all of a sudden, you're on Facebook or Instagram, and lo and behold, there's a Zappos ad right. for the shoes. You we were just looking at like an hour ago. It, it, I remember when that first started happening, being like, "Hold up, wait a second, wait a second. What are they in my head?" Yeah, like, That's
0: <laughs> kind of crazy. You know, there's all these memes out there talking about how the FBI man is looking and like yeah. watching. Nah, man, it's Facebook. Facebook <laughs> is literally looking at everything you're doing, right. everything you search, everything you look at. They and not only are they looking at it, they're taking that information and then trying to market different things to you without you even knowing about it subliminally. So that aside, you know, they have all this information they were collecting and they weren't telling everybody. And, you know, they had all this stuff out there regarding everybody's profiles and how to market different things to them, which is, you know, somewhat to buy their political affiliations, all of this information. So back in, I think it was 2015, Facebook partnered with a company called Cambridge Analytica, which is a uh, a European based company I think they're based in your uh, in London I think but they essentially are a Russian operation and I'm not sure exactly what the relationship was or what business ties they ended up having but somehow Cambridge Analytica got access to millions of users' profiles on Facebook. When they ended that relationship, they didn't tell Facebook, obviously. And they took that information and sold it to different uh, Republican uh, committees and different uh, Russian organizations, ultimately Vladimir Putin. They Russia then took that information and created Russian bots, which basically is a fake person. So during the 2016 election, yes, I know, we are still talking about the 2016 election, <laughs> partly because Donald Trump is still president and partly because it truly was attack on the country. It was, you know, the equivalent of launching a missile in the middle of the country. So this Russian company, Cambridge Analytica, uh, created all of these different Russian bots based on that information that they took from Facebook and was able to make fake profiles to pretend to be real people, to antagonize voters, to entrench them on their views. You know, and they didn't just do it with Republican voters. They did it with very liberal voters as well. The goal wasn't to just like push people to vote for Donald Trump. The goal was to antagonize American voters so much that they were entrenched in their views and create as much chaos as possible within the political system.
1: Yeah, they definitely um, succeeded uh, in their goal because they created all kinds of uh, fake profiles and fake groups and uh, just created pure, pure chaos, basically.
0: And they really did. And you have to wonder, like what exactly vladimir putin and russia was aiming to get from you know this operation and from all you know accounts they really just was hoping to cause as much chaos in our political system as possible and it has worked because like i said it's 2019 and we're still talking about the election in 2016 we haven't been able to move forward as a country people have very angry views and and Uh, antagonistic views and arguments with, um, you know, anyone that has an opposing opinion of themselves. It's created so much chaos and so much mistrust, even though there was already that established within our um, within our politics and within America. It's, you know, you, you have to wonder, you know, can you can we go back to the way things were? You know, even though it wasn't great, can we start to put some of these things back together that have broken so many norms within our political system and so much order within our government. And what is it going to look like as we progress through 2019, as we progress through some of these investigations with Donald Trump, as the the details of his involvement with some of these Russian schemes to benefit his presidential campaign are, are born to light and, and his involvement with um, you know all of these different crazy policies that he has going on like what's what's gonna happen as we progress through down these this path
1: yeah and I mean can can we even go back to the way things were before I I don't know I mean uh, the <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy to think that something like hacking into um, our political system and going through Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that um, had such a huge impact on um, our democracy. It's like it's it's insane.
0: And I think one of the reasons why it had so much of a big impact was because you have someone like Donald Trump who's not rebutting the information and who refuses to speak ill of Russia, who Played such an instrumental role in breaking up the norms within US politics. You know, if this were any other period, you know, while you could have Republican and Democrats disagree, you know, liberal and conservatives disagree you would at least had the president of the United States saying, you know, I condemn these actions, this isn't right, let's investigate, let's figure out what's going on, let's try to defend ourselves from such an attack. Because, you know, that's what this was. This was an attack on the United States. Hacking elections from a foreign government, you know, is in the equivalent of a cyber attack on the entire United States. You know, so because there was no dead bodies, because you know, there was no, no no property loss. I mean, just because you can't measure the type of loss that took place um, in the way we're used to when it comes to war doesn't mean it's not an act of war. It kind of really was. You know, so not having a U.S. president that is rebutting some of that information and, and rebutting the, the defenses that this country, you know, Russia, is putting forth plays such a huge role into us being able to overcome some of these obstacles. So... These are some of the biggest things that you guys really need to uh, pay attention to as we head through 2019. Hopefully, this podcast will help you navigate some of this stuff and shed some light and some perspective on what's going on, not just in D.C., uh, but also locally in our political world. So with that said, I want to give a very special thanks to everyone who's tuned into this podcast who's rated on iTunes, make sure you go out and rate on iTunes. It's the best way I get as much attention as possible to this podcast. Um, I want to thank you for your support. I want to thank Bree. I really couldn't do this podcast without her, guys. Like, she helps me flesh out a lot of different ideas when i'm up at two in the morning and talking to myself and reading to myself and and writing and coming up with all of these different ideas and and interviews that i want to do she helps uh bore a lot of this out for me so i want to give a very special thanks to brie i really couldn't do this without her
1: yeah you're very very welcome
0: (laughs) (laughs) she really is a cutie personified cuteness personified thanks all right so again thank you everybody make sure you rate like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions about this episode or any of my previous episodes, don't forget you can still email me at realtalk at salascorner.com and don't forget to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Salas Corner. Until next time, peace y'all.